This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. We're talking today with Michael Mucha, Information Security Officer at Stanford Hospital and Clinics. The organization recently received national recognition for its advanced use of clinical information systems. Thanks so much for talking with us today, Mike. Hello. Good morning. Stanford Hospital and Clinics recently won recognition from HIMSS Analytics for achieving Stage 7, the most advanced rating for implementation of electronic health records and related clinical systems. Only a handful of organizations have achieved that honor. Please tell us a little bit about the diverse clinical information that physicians and nurses can now access online. So the core clinical information is all available online through our through the EPIC EMR system. It includes inpatient records, outpatient scheduling, and billing. Uh, we also have integrated some of our other clinical systems, such as uh, GE packs, uh, radiology images, is available through the the main EMR Im- interface to the Epic, and we're going through a cycle of integrating a variety of other systems. With the, our core EMR system, Epic, being the hub of all of the of the clinical information. And can clinicians access those systems uh, remotely as well as while they're on campus? Yes. So remote access is a big part of our infrastructure strategy, uh, both for just for a modern workforce, for being able to access, uh, to do your work, whether you are at home or on the road. A lot of our physicians go to conferences, take sabbaticals, um, uh, take time, take six months to work at another academic medical center, for instance. Uh, so there's that that modern workforce aspect of, of using the Internet uh, through our clinical portal. Uh, we also have a referring physician portal, which is for our our community of of physicians who aren't uh, they aren't Stanford physicians per se, but they are referring patients to us, and that's a large network of providers. And they have a a specific portal for just for that purpose. And there's also our patient portal to view your own records. I suspect that all that raises um, a long long list of. Um Security issues. Um, what risks did you identify as you were ramping up to stage seven level automation, and how are you going about addressing those risks? Well, there's two parts to it. One is that the uh, the obvious benefit of of moving things to electronic databases and and having all this ease of access is that there are opportunities for people who are don't have the best intentions to uh, to access more records to to run queries to do uh, malicious things remotely, uh, the kind of things that you didn't have in a paper-based world. So you have that double-edged sword, and but then you also have, you have to bring the, the tools that come with an electronic world, like you can do, we brought, we're bringing in an event correlation system where we're aggregating the logs from all these different clinical and infrastructure systems and then applying business rules on top of that to monitor for, like, if you see someone look at, you know, hunt through, a hundred records in in three hundred seconds. That's there's one of two things that can generally be. That's either someone on a fishing expedition to look for to violate people's privacy for a variety of reasons, or um, there can also be a quality check where someone's going through and checking one thing in a bunch of records at a specific time. So we have rules that look for those things and then sift them by depending on what department you are, what job role you are, and just applying. Well, applying applying a new set of tools that apply to uh, that use the uh, take advantage of the things you have electronically. 
that's the uh, this the obvious double-edged sword of moving to electronic systems. There's also with remote access and the need to provide service over the internet in the modern world. Uh, I think that's moving healthcare closer to a problem that the financial world world has had for a number of years, where they were you know, being exposed to the internet caused a lot of problems, where you would have organized crime and groups all over the world looking to take advantage of your uh, uh, to to exploit your your online access to try to steal things. In our case, it'd be patient data. Uh, then we also have a good amount of credit card information. So I think healthcare is moving in that direction where they're going to have the same sort of risks as the financial world, but I'm um, not sure that everyone realizes that just yet. And watching the like my uh, peers in the financial world and how much trouble they have with kind of issues like authentication and how do you how do you know that a person is the person they claim to be when they're coming from somewhere out on the internet. So how big a staff do you have devoted to information security now, and how much has it grown as a result of all this automation in recent years? There's about 30 people, and I'll include there, – there is a separate – there's a division between it, organizationally and along the, the lines of the HIPAA uh, legislation, there is a difference between privacy and security, and that's commonly replicated in the healthcare world where you might have a, a private, separate privacy and security officer. So but I'll, for the – sake of this discussion, I'll include also our, our we have a privacy team that's dedicated to uh, focusing on these kind of information security forensics issues that are just talking about the things that come with the, with the new electronic medical record world. So if you combine, you want to combine those two things together staffing-wise, though they might break out differently organizationally. We have about 30 people, 25 of those are specifically on the information security team and then another half a dozen who are specifically focused on privacy and the privacy of the electronic medical record. And so you can kind of break that down into you have people who you have in the security bucket is things like your enterprise access management or access control team, um, the people who run the RSA servers, if you're whatever you're using for if you're using two-factor authentication, things like that. The people who run your firewalls, that group, and then you have some people who are specifically focused on the challenges of our clinical information system and the privacy challenges they're looking for, looking at audit reports and looking for people who have been red flagged. As you've adopted more clinical information systems and achieved Stage 7 recognition, what have been some of the top priority data security projects that went along with that? For example, are you making wider use of encryption now? So I mentioned the uh, the event correlation system, which is uh, which has been a big project. There's also the general with with HIPAA and now with high tech. There's a general need to take a look at your your role based access and see if it complies with the 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 rules. The, the culture of healthcare has been towards house wide access, whereas the laws are moving more towards granular access. So there's a large project. Um, to look at where we looked through all our role-based access and reviewed it, uh, both at a privacy level and a business level. Um, and then, but the big one has been the, uh, or the other big one that we haven't mentioned is the encryption. We've broadened our use of encryption and we intend to broaden it as widely as possible, which means that if you look at the, look at the safe harbor provisions of high tech and just generally, uh, Good security operating practice when you have so many mobile devices, um, and the desktop, desktop form factors are getting much smaller, and there's so much data mobility. To expand your encryption footprint as much as possible can really save you a lot. 
because a lot of you're going to lose laptops, you're going to lose mobile phones, uh, whether it's the theft or theft or just misplacement, and documents are occasionally going to get misrouted, and things are going to get faxed to the wrong place, and all these sorts of problems you have with with mobile data and mobile devices. So if you can expand your encryption footprint as widely as possible, a lot of those what could be a a crisis for both yourself and for your customer can become more of a, uh, a much more routine affair. So what's the status of your encryption efforts now? Have you encrypted virtually all your mobile devices, and are you using um, secure email, and what about um, encryption of data at rest on the servers? So all of our laptops are encrypted now. They When they they roll out the door there and, and he said to somebody they're they're encrypted out of the box or desktops also um, mobile phones are more challenging we've you know, it's clearly our policy that they need to be encrypted but there's so much change in the mobile device space that you know, one one vendor's encryption is not up to the same standards as other vendors encryption and you kind of we're still we're still fighting that a little bit because in the laptop side we can we can it's just easier to pick a product and roll it all out. There's more diversity on the mobile side, so we're having that's more of a challenge. But that's definitely our policy direction, and where we've been, we've we've done it, and we're more of an audit mode now to see that it all works because it's all it's been more challenging on the mobile side because of all the change in in the mobile world. Secure email, you mentioned. Yes, we're doing that. We're using. Uh, we've had had a product in place for about two years. Um, gone through a couple different vendors. But really, our main our main drive for for using secure mail is the relationship between the provider and the patient, and that actually comes with our as part of our EMR. We have there's email functionality built into there that integrates with Exchange, and that's basically our our core secure email system. But we have a standalone secure email product for all of the other instances of emailing that don't involve the patient and uh, and clinician. Uh, and then we're also we're looking at a lot of other things like we uh, some some document basically document DRM where it's, it's follow the document encryption. We're experimenting, working with some partners on that. We haven't rolled it out enterprise wide. We'd basically like to encrypt every platform. We it's particularly with the the high tech. It's a good idea generally, but then you look at the high tech safe harbor, and it gives you this clear ROI that's pretty unusual in security to have such a clear ROI. Where you're just driven to encrypt as much as possible. So we're we have a formal project where we're looking at all of our platforms and trying to encrypt all of them. I don't think we'll end up encrypting all of them. Some for feasibility, some for lack of tools. But that's our drivers to encrypt as much as possible. And then the other side of it is the messaging side of it. Uh, we mentioned secure email, and we're going to look at other messaging avenues and see if there's ways to apply encryption to those. And I don't think we'll be able to encrypt everything, but we're going to address everything and say, yes, we've encrypted this. Yes, in this area, the tool set will be available in two to three years, and we'll look at it then. And this is just not, you know, this area over here is not feasible to encrypt right now, and we understand that, and we'll move on. And then we take that roadmap and give that to compliance, and when there's an incident, they can say, okay, we've... uh, uh, this is one of those devices we know it's encrypted versus, oh, this is one of this category where we know it's not encrypted. So when it comes to data at rest, is that one of the areas you're studying now on whether to apply encryption or just rely on physical security? So there's data at rest at the platform level. Obviously, the, you encrypt your laptop. That's a form of data at rest. Um, 
the database encrypting the data at uh, I mentioned uh, the document DRM that's a specific type of of data at rest that we'd like to do but we want to if you put you put encryption between the user and their documents and we're so such heavy users of documents here you put it between the user and the document you need to make sure it works and that the availability is there in order to so that you can solve more problems than you cause uh, and I think the models are there from the vendors, but we need to valid. We're in the process of validating that this could really work um, and not cause more problems itself. But so we're looking at that's an example of specific data at rest. There's the typical. There's encrypting your database, which we do in some databases, and other ones we find it more problematic um, for the for performance, or they don't provide the tool set depending on the database. The particular area with data rest is the mobile things, like the, the email and the files, the documents that can travel around. Because the, you don't know, the database, your database, at least you know where, where it's resting, versus a, doc, you know, a Word document, you don't know where it's going to end up resting. So we're looking at things that can follow that data around. I think that's really the, the key thing about data at rest is if the data is not really mobile, there's lots of ways to secure it at rest, including the platform encryption. If it's mobile data, then you've got a much uh, much more serious problem for data at rest, and the tools are not as mature. Okay, so what's next on your to-do list in terms of security, privacy, and risk management for this year? Really, the uh, we're it's consolidating and continuing the the data at rest because it's just such a clear winner for us. Um, and data loss protection (DLP) we're really viewing that as an extension of the day of the encryption project. Um, but market-wise, it's a different sort of animal, and you can get a lot of different vendors and different techniques. And the ROI is not as clear because you kind of the definition of DLP changes depending on which vendor you talk to uh, and what they're selling. So we're really spending the year trying to get our arms around DLP as a way to extend uh, the extend the encryption project to cover as much as possible. We need you're going to have to get past the platform encryption and go into these other areas, like something that can can look at your data on mobile devices or look at the data as it travels across the wire and make some decisions about whether this is does this look like our PHI, does this look like sensitive documents, does this look like a credit card or social security number. Um, that's that's a big one for us. There's that's the big one that we haven't really talked about as far as DLP being something different. Really, the the event correlation and the and the, and the platform and encryption, those things are such big projects. They're going to take quite a long time to uh, to roll out. So we've had significant wins in there and things that are done, but we will be working on that for a long time to come. Okay. Finally, what advice about Information security would you give to other organizations, especially those that are moving gradually toward achieving stage seven status for clinical automation? Besides the the obvious bit about about compliance being much more serious now between HIPAA and high tech and how the the U.S. regulatory environment has changed to be more in line with uh, some places like Europe, and there's that part of it. There's also you can look at it a bit from the other side. There's a lot of worry about things that can uh, go wrong with moving electronic to, to electronic systems, but a lot of it is things you've probably already solved in the paper world, but maybe you don't you don't realize it because it's often this offline paper world. But a lot of the issues of sharing data and role-based access and, and those sorts of things are already buried in the processes and the business processes of your organization. That, but they tend not to they tend to be buried there somewhere and you've got to tease those out before you get too worried about whether you're really confronting something new. 
Well, thanks very much, Mike. We've been talking with Mike Mucha of Stanford University Medical Center uh, and Stanford Hospitals and Clinics. This is Howard Anderson of Information Security Media Group. Thanks so much for listening.